Welcome to the BZ Paracast. I am your host, Black Six, and this is episode 38. Thank you, as always, for downloading the show. Got our jam-packed episode for you this month. We start out by wrapping up Brick Fair Virginia 2012 with DV, Nukaya, and Sumiki. Then the staff interviews return, where I talk to BZ Power reporter Pilio. Then, Windrider is back for another How To BZP. And after that, I have a very special interview with LEGO's very own Kevin Hinkle. And of course, we wrap things up with a music time with Smeag. That seems like it should be plenty enough, so why don't you get listening? So with me now are DV, Nukaya, and Sumiki to talk about uh, this past brick fair in Virginia. Uh, how is everyone doing? She said that for all of us. <laughs> okay, so I guess uh, Madison summed things up that it was a lot of fun, and that's all there is to say about Brick Fair. So thanks, everyone. It was fun. Good job, everybody. 10 out of 10 would die again. We're proud of you. Yeah, so uh, like I said, it took place in Virginia at the Dallas Expo Center. We had a, a huge, amazing, amazing Bonacle turnout. Like, I walked in there Thursday morning, and I'm like, there's no way we're filling up all these tables. And then we did. And we didn't have enough room, almost. Yeah, yeah. yeah there's definitely some parts where it was packed in pretty tight. Pat, you're the Bonacle coordinator. Um, any, do you want to start off by talking about uh, the Bonacle display and any highlights there? It was awesome. Good job. <laughs> we got so much stuff sent in, it was cool. Yeah, and, and we had, you know, there's nope. a lot of members there who brought stuff in, too. Yeah, I don't even know about highlights. We had that cool fire display with that stuff that Ray made and then our BBC contest people. Yeah, I think that was my favorite. I really liked how that kind of stood out amidst, amidst all the other uh, Bonacle mocks and, you know, <laughs> obviously fit with the uh, the theme. I definitely want to try to see if we can do something like that again next year for, yeah, it was uh, very for cool. birds. 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 Bird Fair is going to put a bird on it next year. If you like it, then you should have put a bird on it. all right so um i guess we'll go around and we'll talk about uh some of our favorite mocks to start with so sumiki you've been pretty quiet what were some of your favorite mocks both in bonacle and elsewhere in the show uh okay wow um haven't thought much about this okay um bonacle table all right uh i have to concur the fire display was pretty cool the fact that it was sort of a sub-section and everything, everything that was really quite nice, different takes on the same theme. And uh, i trying to think of the stuff. Uh, there was some interesting stuff down at one corner. There was, there was a couple things by uh, Retinence, I believe, that was pretty interesting, like the tiger and I um, uh, forgot... What else was there? He didn't bring the horse. I think he sold that last year. And then there was, uh, I think, the uh, five, 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 five. Um, you forgot a five. Yeah. Okay. I I can never get the number of fives right there. Five out of five. Five again. All right. Fair enough. Um, the he had an eagle. I thought that was pretty pretty interesting yeah he did that too early because next year the theme is birds but it's still pretty cool yeah well i guess he can bring it next year too (laughs) and uh 
let's see. Um, as far as the other stuff, that's the at the whole convention goes. I, I preferred last year's display, I think, a little more. But this year, I, I didn't really. There's nothing that really stood out to me as being a really uber <clears throat> awesome. Yeah, there weren't like uh, any huge uh, planes or, or cranes or anything like that. Yeah, there, there yeah, was there was the giant uh, Serenity model. I think that was the big standout. Yeah, that that was a that was a big, and there was also I thought it was a, there was a very interesting um, mosaic which was made out entirely out of clear pieces. That was I really like that just because it's just so different. And there were some ships in towards the back, and I think there was one real working um, arcade that was uh, running Pac-Man. Ah, yeah, I think it was, was Pac-Man. It was some sort of arcade, but it was it was cool. And um, oh, there was also one a big Arama display thing. I want to say it was from like Lord of the Rings or something, but I don't quite remember. It was it was just this landscape and a bunch of uh, had some buildings on it and some interesting angles. That's uh, I was surprised you could get it out ago. So. All in all, had some interesting stuff, but nothing really totally mind blowing. That cat one was pretty cool. Or uh, some of your other favorite mocks that were on display. I liked the cat. One. <laughs> I like Five's bird. That was cool. I liked it. Any of the uh, non-binocle mocks that caught your eye? It was a Zelda castle. That was cool. I liked that. Yeah, there's some. Uh... A nice uh, Zelda mosaic too that I liked. Yeah, some of the, these great ball contraptions were fantastic. Oh yeah. Yeah, I didn't get a chance to to see it running this year, unfortunately. Since like any time I thought of going out during public hours, it was just completely mobbed. Yeah, they were like they had ones where they were like throwing little soccer balls and basketballs like across the table to keep them like for them to keep it. Like the machines were tossed them into and from one side of the, the table to the other for, to keep the machine going. It was like. Super cool. Yeah, yeah, like the the accuracy you have to get for that was pretty impressive. Yeah, it was really cool. Um, I mean, obviously the Serenity mock was pretty cool. The fact that the day after the convention opened, it was all over the internet. Like, <laughs> I know, right? Oh god, that was cool. I don't even really like Firefly that much, but it was cool. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it had like the full interior and everything. Yeah, it was really, really awesome. Even hit a Han Solo frozen and carbonite in there. <laughs> I, I didn't get a good enough look on the inside. That's cool. It's a nice little touch. Yeah. And then there was a there was some cool sculptures. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There's a nice there was a uh, cool, shoe. Yeah, there's a cool running shoe I really liked. It was up for a nomination. I voted for it. Stupid dog one though. I didn't <laughs> like the dog. But uh, yeah, that was cool. Cool right. stuff. What about you, Madison? What are some of your highlights as far as mocks go? Um, um there was actually a really fantastic um Spider display. No. I hate you. <laughs> that somebody built that was interactive and you could hit a button and you would hear or see cool. something move within the town, which was really cool. It was like I've never actually seen that detailed of a town display because it was literally crammed on two tables. It was pretty fantastic. 
by the guy who actually, I think, built the dog. True so story. I was like, well, this is really cool that you beat me. But this is really cool, so okay. I'm not really sure what else off the top of my head. I'd have to look through photos, honestly. There were some nice mistakes. I'm enjoying some of the ones that are including going beyond just the one-by-one tile or one-by-one pieces and are including, like, cheese slopes. I love the cheese slope ones. Those ones are fantastically fun. Yeah, I like the, the mosaics that were built, like, at an angle that were sloped. Mm-hmm. Those, those were pretty impressive. And, um, you know, the like ones that were kind of three-dimensional that, you know, were built out. And so when you look at them, that kind of added additional depth to the image, which had a really cool effect. I think that was one of the clear ones that uh, you mentioned, Sumiki. Yeah. That was the one I think actually won sculpture. Pretty sure that's the one I voted for, for Mosaic. Yeah, I I really liked, um, I think this was the one you were talking about, Sumiki, was the Rivendell mock from Lord of the Rings. That was really impressive. It had like all the scenes from uh, the Fellowship of the Ring. And just the level of detail in that was was amazing. Uh, I think it was built by the same people who did the um, the breaking of the fellowship uh, mock from last year. So obviously, they're uh, I guess going for a little pattern there. Let's see the the um, the micro scale military display. I thought was pretty cool. Um, I guess they're minifig scale display got two out of hand, so they had to shrink everything down in order to to fit it all. Um, there's a lot of like nice little details of like, you know, using the uh, ice cream pieces and things like that to do uh, missile exhaust and stuff to kind of add some um, action feel to the display. Mm-hmm. There's actually some really fantastic military stuff this year. Two of my friends apparently collaborated on a couple of the different displays, and I was actually blown away. Like their collaborations literally are all it's done everything's done online and they finally meet up at a convention and put it all together and i'm like this is you know it's these huge displays and it's really cool to see something at that scale and that detail get shown and have it look that well yeah yeah there's always some good definitely some good stuff in the military section um it's i think it's tends to kind of be a mixed bag because you do also have a lot of younger people building (laughs) in that theme but some of the older builders and, and, you know, not always older builders, but there's some really talented builders in, in that area. Um, and in the Bonicle section, I have to give a shout out to uh, Sison's, uh, I, don't, I can't remember the name of that Pokemon, but the one with the, all the purple fire was, uh, yeah, was pretty cool. I know he had a lot of people commenting on that and taking pictures and stuff. So hopefully a lot of those ended up on the Internet. And that, that, was, that was pretty cool. Um, that was really cool. I really liked how the fire display turned out. I'm glad that we were able to do that. Um, Ray had the, the book of all of the art contest entries, which I thought was really cool. Um, people got to look through that and look at all the other uh, designs and artwork that people came up with. Um, let's see. I think we've covered all the other mocks that uh, that really stood out to me. So we'll, uh, we'll move on, I guess. Um, you know, it was a four-day event, four days of fun and Lego bricks. Uh, what kind of things uh, did, do you want to talk about that went on that stood out to you for the, the event as a whole? Having uh, Meeting some of the designers for the front sets was pretty fantastic. And actually hearing like what went into it and like their own personal views was very cool. It's very nice to see female Lego designers. It gives me a slight amount of hope. 
Yeah, I went to the panel. Uh, I guess I went to both of the designer panels with um, Astrid and uh, Fenella, I believe were their names, where they talked about the Friends line and Creator and just kind of designing sets in general. And those were uh, pretty informative. And um, mm-hmm. so it's fun or funny, I guess, when, when people then go out and ask questions about when uh, Old Grey is coming back to the designers. <laughs> like, really, guys? Really? They just spent all this time coming here from, like, Denmark and you're asking about Old Grey. Kevin yeah, Hinkle's the one you ever ask about that. Never coming back. <laughs> it was ugly, and Old Grey is way better. Yeah, I know. It really, really is. I'm just wondering when Teal is coming back. That, that I think we can get behind. But were there any of the other panels that uh, you guys went to or anything like that that uh, stood out? I didn't get hit anyone's show. Mm-hmm. There was uh, also a rubric panel that was pretty interesting. They gave some uh, good insight. Uh, Peter uh, and Sarah from the community team were there talking about that. Um, I look forward to seeing how that project continues to grow. I know one thing they were talking about is um, they were going to be making like a community calendar so that AFOLs can add events and not just like big conventions for other AFOLs, but like, you know, local shows and stuff that they do uh, to help, you know, pull more public people in. So that's pretty cool. And uh, I'm looking forward to seeing when that gets implemented. I guess, uh, let's see, other than that, there was the Lego store. Um, I know, Pat and Madison, you got to go. Sumiki, did you get to go to the Lego store? No, I did not uh, uh, get to like a store, but um, uh, I did visit the vendors, I think, one too many times. <laughs> the first, well, last year, um, uh, Architects and I started a bit of a tradition. We would go, we went over to the um, vendors, and we essentially rummaged in park bins uh, for something like two hours. And Brickings kept coming over, he's like, are you people done yet? And I'm like, no, the bags are like only half full. Well, it's been one and a half hours. Wait, really? <laughs> and so we're kind of stunned. But this year we were in and out in like less than an hour. So I felt pretty good. And I got a bunch of teal parts. So yes, I love teal. Any other interesting uh, parts you're able to pick up? Uh, tons of like parts I didn't even know existed or didn't know existed in certain colors. I still have like tons of them. I'm just sort of randomly placed out on the floor, and it's sort of a minefield to try to walk through. But I just sort of still going through it, like, oh look, I got this piece. When did I get this piece? Where, where was that? Oh yeah, yeah, I got it from them. So I guess I'm already nostalgic over Brick Fair. So <laughs> well, I expect uh, an awesome teal mock or two in your future. Then uh, they're teal. I, I I wouldn't call them awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Anything, you know, it's always good to, to make use of the parts you get. What about uh, you, Pat and Madison? What did you pick up? Let me see. Um, I got a minifig ice cream tray, which I will somehow put to use someday. If I can find it, it's somewhere in my room again. I don't know where. <laughs> and I would say I picked up the Avengers, one of the Avengers sets, the one that I now can see perfectly in my mind. I can't remember what it's called. I don't know, but it's got the truck. It's got the truck, and it's got Loki and Hawkeye and Iron Man in it. Not movie accurate. Not movie accurate at all, but that's okay. He has a giant bubble head, so that's fine. And then I picked up the 
White House um, architecture set, which I built the other day, and it was absolutely fantastic. So let me close the store while my obnoxious phone rings. <laughs> That's better. Oh, and then it turns off right as I close the door. Thank of you. Course. What about you, Pat? What do you pick up? Um, I bought both of the two old Republic Star Wars spaceships. So I saw you build the uh, the Republic one. How is the Sith one? Awesome. Yeah, I'm jealous. It's so cool. Like, you have to ask him while I was building it. I just kept like, you can't be like, Master, look at this. This is so cool. <laughs> Were there a lot of interesting building techniques? Because it seemed like it was a pretty complex set. It was. There was actually a lot of stuff in it. I was like, oh, it's cool. Like, the way they made, like, the wings angled and stuff like that was really cool. Mm-hmm. Nice. Like, yeah, I really enjoyed it. Let's see. What did, so I got pretty much the entire Lord of the Rings line. I, I couldn't Hi. resist. I still need to pretty build most of them, though. I've only built a couple so far. I'm trying to spread them out since this will probably be the, the last Lego I buy for the rest of the year. <laughs> and then I got um, Stormer XL. Uh, after I saw a certain review of it, and I'm like, oh, man, look at all those awesome, awesome parts. I need to get this set for sure. And then I got the uh, police helicopter because it's a Chinook and it's cool. Yeah, because Andrew mocks now. He does mock now. I know. It's crazy, right? I finally... Yeah, the world is doomed. And yeah, I'm already planning some stuff for, for Brick Fair next year. 11 years in and he's finally, finally mocking. Hey, no. I started mocking. I entered a BBC contest back in the day. I'll have you know. Which one? The Dark Toe of the Apocalypse one. Oh, I won that one. Yeah, so I, I entered that, um, and then I don't think I built anything ever after that until this year. <laughs> yeah, that was contest number seven. Yep. It's okay. Like all of my Lego experiences, basically been in the dark ages until like two years ago, and even then, I didn't even start mocking like seriously until like this summer. Well, see, I, I actually was, you know, a builder and stuff like that. And then I became staff on this silly site called BZ Power and it sucked up all of my free time and I never had to oh, build again. The site sounds awful, Andrew. Why would anybody go on that? Yeah, I, I hear the question. That side are mean. I hear whisperings that they paid off Lego to end Bionicle. That <laughs> is absurd. I have no idea why you would think that. You know, we'd pay them in candy chocolate coins. Let's be honest. Canadian no, we'd pay them in widgets. What? We pay them in widgets. That too. <laughs> Chocolate widgets. Mm. Oh, this is money that came up out of nowhere. I wonder if you make chocolate versions of those next year for Brick Fair. Ooh, that's a good idea. And then like dust them in like edible silver glitter. That sounds delicious. Or like white chocolate with silver in it. Not real silver because then we die. <laughs> yeah, that wouldn't be good. Um, Sounds terrible. Oh my god! I want to try to make that now. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> All right. So, um, Sumiki, did you go to the uh, the laser tag event that went on? Yes, and so, it was awesome. There was uh, I I don't know how many of us were there, but it must have been somewhere near twenty, and we would and it was the a free to play uh, as many games as you wanted to. So we went in and we had all, and they gave us this whole, you know, rundown about his safety and common sense, essentially. But they let us into the room and then we shot each other up to death because they told us that we could 
pick certain numbers, like the odd numbers would be on one team, the even number packs would be on the uh, opposite team. But I ended up choosing the wrong thing. So I was against most of the members. <laughs> and uh, But fortunately, there, are, there were some other, other folks who chose the wrong number. So we sort of huddled together and started shooting people up. And we still lost, but hey, oh well. And there were, there were a whole bunch of little, little, I mean, tiny kids, kids that probably shouldn't have been in there, like, I don't know, five or six. And they kept getting mad because they kept getting shot. Now, it's a laser tag place, so the whole point is to run around and try to shoot people and not to get shot. But they got really mad when they got shot, and they would just go around and say, Stop! Stop shooting me! <laughs> You know, you remind me of Barney Stinson right now. Barney, you're the best line. Best laser tech player I've ever seen. I put down my weapon. The kid runs past. And so as soon as he runs past, I, I put my weapon up. I shoot him. And he gets all mad again, but I duck behind a, a, an opening and he doesn't see me. He's like, how shot me? <laughs> and then Sison comes on the so, and he, and he just lesson learned. So lesson learned, species power, laser tag, ruins little kids' lives. Just like we do with our members' lives, apparently. Yeah. You know, if they were complaining about being shot, I'd just shoot them again. (laughs) I did, so. Run away and then shoot them a third time. I should have done the third time. It sounds it sounds like you guys always have a lot of fun. Unfortunately, it's usually the the night of the uh, the coordinators' dinner, so I'm I've been tied up with that for the past couple years. But one one year we'll get to go play laser tag, maybe. Someday. Maybe I'll choose the coordinator dinner over that every year, though. Yeah, we'll have to have another night of, of laser tag. Yeah. I think yeah. free steak dinner is a uh, hard to say no to. Right. I Plus, plus we got chauffeured by Kevin Hinkle to go there, and then we got to sit at the no. table with all the other Lego people and and scared them. So that was yeah, a lot of fun. A lot of good time with Kevin Hinkle, who later in this podcast will be interviewed by people who are not me, and that's awful. Unless the interview already happened. Did it already happen? It depends on what order I put them in when I edit the show. Oh. That was It's the wonders of post, people. Tiny wine stuff. <laughs> yeah, so so Kevin uh, was pretty awesome. Uh, I think he's really warmed up to his role on the community team. And, I like uh, it's because of us. Yeah, yeah. no, he, he realizes how awesome we are and that he should spend time with the Bonacle people. So that, that was cool to, to get to hang out with him. All right, so what else happened at Brickford that you guys would like to talk about? We ate cupcakes. There, there yeah. were some cupcakes. They were pretty delicious. Several times, I think. I think any time you guys saw cupcakes, you had to have them. Plus, you made some. Yeah. Yes. Because being lactose intolerant does not matter. <laughs> also, they have medication for that. Also, it was. I the, do have medication, but it doesn't really work. Also, it was the first unveiling of almost the entire cast of the BCP Stug game. It was the un- almost basically unveiling that nobody has seen photos of yet because nobody has photos of it. I've seen okay. photos. There are photos somewhere. They are somewhere. We cannot talk about this though. No. But it was it was cool to see uh, everyone together in uh, the nice fancy shirts. And I guess speaking of speaking of which, there were more BZ Power shirts that uh, Bonacle Raptor had uh, for sale. Um, wasn't my my personal favorite design, but they were still pretty cool, and I still picked one up. Um, so big props to to him and the other guys for putting that together for the members and stuff like they do every year. 
It is really cool. Yep. Yeah, Sison also had some laser tag shirts, so for you laser tag people. Yes, for laser tag people. Oh, Sison. <laughs> trying to think of uh of what else went on see i think um i think the problem with an event like brick fair virginia at this point is it's so huge that you know even though i signed up for our, some of the games and stuff there's just so many people the chances of you getting to play are so slim so yeah. I'm, I'm not even yeah. sure that like any of us who are who are in the bz power group got to really play any of those games um and they always seem to be at bad times too that conflicted with other things unfortunately yeah uh, let's see. We we had a a group, a uh, few group dinners. So it was always it was fun to get together with uh, the rest of the staff and some of the members and stuff to to hang out and just kind of relax outside of the chaos that is the uh, convention center. Good times. Um, oh, we got to, we watched the first three Bonacle movies. We did. That was did that was really watch fun. So much to be critiqued then. Yes, yes. It was yeah. the first time for for a few of us as well. Uh, so it was cool to see the, the reactions and looking back at them after, uh, what is it, nine years since the first one yeah. is pretty pretty crazy. We need to do a, a commentary track in the future, I think. It would be hilarious. It would, just, it would just be all of us being like, Takua! Takua! He's like, I know that I'm the Toa, but I'm going to make Jala do all the hard work and then I'm going to yell at him. <laughs> and then I'm going to take all the credit at the end. Man, light characters are stupid. <laughs> so what else happened at Brick Fair? I don't remember. I danced we, horribly. Oh, yes. We had awesome music playing almost the entire time during the public hours. True, we did. You're welcome. And yeah, we, thank you, Madison, for providing the music. Thank you, myself, for providing the speaker. <laughs> uh, we were sorely lacking that at Brick's Cascade, so I made sure to remedy that this year. And, and I danced to it very, very, very badly. <laughs> we had we had a lot of funny looks, but we also had a lot of people being like, "Yeah, all right, rock on." So I'll take it. All right, what else? Any other highlights from the convention that you guys wanted to bring up? I wore twenty hats on my head at once. Was it really twenty? I saw I saw a lot. I don't know if it was that many. There, there was. I'm I'm sort of rounding it out to twenty because okay. I have no idea and. It just gets scary when I look and try to analyze the picture and count them. Yeah, they just kind of kept appearing. It just kept happening, you know? I know. And it's just like they – I put one hat on my head and then all of a sudden someone else took the hat on my head. And then all of a sudden I know I have this huge thing on my head, this tower, and I'm trying to not make it fall off. And then someone grabs my camera, runs around the table, takes a picture of it, and now it's on the staff page. So, yeah. <laughs> Go I look started, at it. It exists. I started it. Yeah, so so there's a lot of uh, awesome people there. I'm glad uh, for everyone who came. Oh, we had um, we had our little get-together luncheon barbecue thing. Which, Did we? Yes. You missed it because you were busy at the Lego store. Um, but we had a grill, and I'm surprised we didn't get like yelled at by uh, by Holiday Inn staff or something. But uh, we grilled up some hot dogs, and uh, thank you to the the members who brought uh, like the watermelon and everything. That was pretty awesome, and it was good to just kind of relax and, and hang out with everyone. And it was, it was good. I can't remember like the names of everyone who were there, so I'm not gonna give uh, shout outs to anyone for for fear of missing people. But thank you everyone who attended, and it was uh, a lot of fun. Good to to meet you and talk to you all. 
All right. Um, anything else? Or are we going to about time to wrap this up? Stanchions. Yes. Well, that, that's, I guess, one of the uh, awesome things about having a lot of busy power people there is that, um, you know, we're, we're kind of uh, cheap labor for Todd Webb and uh, do things like putting down floor pads and setting up stanchions and then breaking all that stuff down and helping Lego break down their booth and things like that. Yep. Tape your stanchions correctly. Please. <laughs> Take them, I'm them around in a circle. Continue not to this for the next year. Tape your stanchions correctly or I will tape you to the floor. We need to do I that. Will. We need to find someone and tape them to the floor. Nothing. I will. Um, it will probably be somebody in the other category. I nominate Sumiki. Oh, no, 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 no. What we should do is we should tape them to the floor pads, and then we can oh, take no. the floor pads and tape them to, like, the wall or the ceiling or something. Ooh. The ceiling. Wow. Where are we going to get a ladder for that? Andrew? We'll have to get a, 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 a oh, crane we'll lift or something. Brian hold them up. He can reach. Oh, yeah. There we go. We have Brian. Brian can, like, stand on a chair or something, and we can Brian reach. Brian and Josh. <laughs> Yeah, so again, thanks, thanks to the people who helped out in the setting up and the breaking down. I mean, things go a lot faster when you have people who know what they're doing. <laughs> uh-huh. All right. Um, so closing remarks uh, from everyone. We'll go around the table. We'll start with Pat. Closing thoughts on Brick Fair, Virginia, 2012. Woo! All right. Madison? Takua! And Sumiki? It was awesome, and I just I, I still I can still feel those hats in my head. I really can, <laughs> including the fez. Fezes are cool. Fezes are cool. Apparently, I wore a fez. I remember this happening as a thing. Yes, and the picture of this in my blog. Then you banned all the kids who put it on you. <laughs> yes, because I am mean. I, and I think he banned them just for looking at him. Well, oh yeah, yeah, I kind of do that. that. That's the thing. We we all, we all came around, and I think. A bunch of us started, we sang happy birthday. Yes, uh, yes, I suppose you did, because it was my birthday. Boss man. And then he threatened to ban all of us from that. So, so I disassociated myself from that group for like a second. That was probably for the best. <laughs> Thankfully, my, my birthday does not occur during actual Brick Fair next year. But um, I guess my, my final thoughts are, you know, Brick Fair is always uh, a great event. It's always the biggest BZ Power event. So thanks everyone for coming and, and making it amazing. And hopefully next year we can uh, continue to have an impressive Bonacle display, even though the line is over. Um, I just looked it up. The, the dates next year are August 3rd and 4th. So I guess it'll start for, for the AFOLs on the uh, August 1st. Yep. And we'll be back at the convention center. And if you can't make it to Brick Fair, Virginia, you can try to make it to Brick Fair, New England in uh, Manchester, New Hampshire, Mother's Day weekend, or Brick Fair, Alabama, which is in Birmingham, Alabama, President's Day weekend, or one of the many, many other Brick events that takes place in the country or the world. Yeah, I'm not going to list them all off. I figure, you know, at the end of the year, maybe we'll start talking about next year's and we can... uh, let people know where, where some of the staff are going to be and where we're going to have uh, some BZ Power presence. First Cascade. First Cascade. All right. So Yay. thanks, everyone. Uh, Brick Fair was a blast, and I look forward to it next year. Um, we're, we're already starting to plan, so. Woo! Yay. <laughs> 
Okay, with me now is Paleo, one of our wonderful news reporters for this month's staff interview. How's it going? Very good. All right, so uh, we skipped last month, and I, I know you were uh, disappointed because you really were itching at the chance to, uh, to do this, but uh, we made it now, and we have a bunch of questions from our members that uh, we're going to go through and see, uh, see what you have to say. Okay, I am ready. All right, so starting off, uh, we have Malignus asks, uh, what is it like being a reporter? Okay, well, it definitely keeps you up to date with news. And um, that's pretty useful for finding deals if you don't exactly want to spend a whole bunch of money on Lego. And it's, in from what I understand of the other staff jobs, it's the easiest. <laughs> yeah, I guess... Um... It, but it also is one of the, the most front-facing, you know, anyone who visits the page is going to see uh, what you write before they see anything else that anyone else is doing. So it's a, an important job, even if maybe the uh, the level of work isn't uh, as high as some of the others. Yeah. Occasionally, um, I forget to proof, and for a couple minutes, the front page will probably display a weird spelling error of some type, if that's my news day. Yeah, spell check uh, doesn't catch them all, unfortunately. Yeah, especially when you are dealing with strange words. Yeah, when you're dealing with, you know, different Lego line names and Hero Factory characters, those aren't in the dictionary. Yeah, and also um, sometimes foreign um, country names as well as city names and whatever they call their Lego lands. I've frequently come up with difficulty with that. Well, that's what uh, the rest of the internet is for. You can search to make sure you're spelling it right. Yeah. And Google Translate, for that matter. <laughs> okay, so I, I don't know if I should ask you this question because I specifically told people not to, but Malignus and Sumiki both asked, do you dream about farm animals? No, I do not. Although at one point I actually did have a dream about mutilated farm animals. It was before I had ever joined BZ Power but it was a very strange dream. Yeah, that sounds kind of creepy. They were all in a junkyard, and there was everything. All the junk was black and metal, huh. and there were mutilated farm animals running around. I don't so, know. Your subconscious was trying to tell you there. Yeah, it's a glimpse into the crazy mind of me. <laughs> okay. Uh, so our last question from Malignus is: What was your first Bionicle set? Okay, first Bionicle set. I believe it was Liwanuva, because that's probably the last, the, well, the first thing that comes to mind when I think about earlier sets. Because I distinctly remember looking at the packaging and trying to pose him in his flying position, which I found really annoying because you couldn't quickly go from standing to flying without having to remove his head. <laughs> right, because yeah, in the flying pose, his head was uh, bent up, looking looking ahead while he's flying. Although I have seen some nifty little ways to add a more flexible joint there. Yeah, I think uh, even back starting with the first line of Toa, uh, people found uh, pretty quickly ways to add you know neck posability and additional points of articulation. Mm -hmm. Which was then remedied when we got to Metru. Yes, Lego finally got the hint. Yeah, okay. All right, so our next question is from Vorex, Keeper of Time, 
and they ask, when you close your eyes, do you see my face? No, I do not. At all. Okay. <laughs> I'm not sure what to make of that one. Uh, anyway, Sumiki has a couple others. Uh, his first or his next question is, what's your favorite type of plasticware? The spork. Or it actually, possibly the spork knife, which is what I call this nifty little thing that I have. It's a spoon at one end and a fork at the other, but one of the side tines of the fork has a it has serration on it so you can cut with it. See, I've seen those before, and I've just always been worried that it'll get too messy because you use the spoon, and then you flip it around, and now the spoon's going to be like touching your hand and stuff. Yeah, generally licking it off will remedy that. I suppose you could use a napkin, too. Anyway, Sumiki's next question is uh, very simple. Pecans or pistachios? Pecans, because it's much less effort. You don't have to break open that little shell thing that is already half broken open. Yeah, I always find that annoying with uh, pistachios, too. Okay. Uh, Fisher64 asks, what is your favorite color? Favorite color, favorite color, favorite color. Green, but the possibility of blue. Because I like green because it's like the environmentalist color and I'm environmentally minded. And it's also the color of chlorophyll. And that's a very cool little bit inside a plant cell. Um, blue... Because it's blue. I'm not sure how to describe that. Well, I mean, it's your favorite. You don't really need to have a reason for it. I suppose. Okay. Uh, Gatanui has a few questions, so we'll go through those now. Their first is, how did you come up with your name, and does it mean anything? Okay. Um, this goes back to when I, well, basically joining BZP. I... Originally, um, once Bionicle ended, before Bionicle ended, I had never heard of BZ Power. And after Bionicle ended, I found um, BSO1 first. So I was looking around that, and then I became somewhat obsessed with the member pages because it was like a little community that didn't quite fit where it was supposed to because it was a wiki and not a forum. So I looked through all those pages and eventually stumbled upon BZP through the links um, that a lot of people had to their BZ Power accounts. So I basically um, found BZ Power, and then I remembered, when I was thinking about joining, I remembered that Doric um, had a really awesome name that sounded like a name, like you could actually call him Doric, not Tahu123. <laughs> and... I thought about that, and I was trying to come up with something that was short and looked like a name, and um, I remembered that my first love was paleontology, and my childhood hero was Paul Serino, so I took paleo from paleontology, and that is my username. Okay. I think uh, most people had a phase in their little where they love dinosaurs and paleontology. I know I did for sure. Yeah, it, it never really stopped for me. That's good. It's good to have a passion other than uh, crazy Lego things. <laughs> Those crazy plastic bricks that hurt when you step on them. <laughs> What's that all about anyway? All right. Uh, their next question is, what was your secret to finding so many news reports before your promotion? Okay, it's actually fairly simple. 
every day I would open up Google News and search for L-E-G-O, Lego. Just really generic terms, and I would scroll through the first page because that was generally what was updated every day. That's always a good way to to find a news article if uh, you need to post something and there's nothing in the inbox. I definitely know I've done that quite a few times. I I actually, at one point, I believe, it didn't get on the front page, but um, I reported a news article that I found while surfing the BBC. Not Bionicle-based creations, but the British Broadcasting um, Corporation. And it was about a family that every Christmas made a Christmas Dalek. (laughs) Oh, those Doctor Who fans in the UK. I assume they made it out of Lego, right? Yes, they did make it out of Lego. Otherwise, it wouldn't be very relevant. Yeah, it wouldn't. In that case, it would have even a smaller chance of getting on the front page. (laughs) By smaller, you mean none. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Uh, Next question from Gatanui is, what was the dance you did after concluding that Black Six's offer to join the staff wasn't a joke, as you described in your profile? Um, I kind of spun around. Okay, I was sitting down when I read it. Um, it was actually the um, little notification that you have a new PM that you can get in your email. And I jumped out of the chair. Well, I actually jittered around in my chair while reading it. Um then jumped out of the chair, spun around, and flailed my arms around. Nice. Clearly you have uh, some good moves for the dance floor. Yeah, very, very good moves. (laughs) All right. Uh, Next question is, did you take the photo of the cannibal dragonfly on your profile yourself? Yes, I did. That's um, actually on the steps of my family's cabin. And it was just sitting there. Um, on top of that dead carcass, well, of course the carcass is dead, it, uh, on top of the dead, half-eaten dragonfly with the pink flesh and the blue carapace. Um, but it was just sitting there, perfectly still, the only movement it had was vibrating its wings and occasionally tilting its head, and I just sat there, took pictures of it, I actually placed my hand right next to it, um, I, well, I didn't post this picture. Um, there's a picture of a size comparison with my hand. And it only flew away when I actually tapped it a few times. It only flew away when I pressed firmly on its back. Huh. And yeah, normally they, uh, they'll fly away pretty quick. Yeah, it must have had some sort of mad dragonfly disease. <laughs> Which clearly you're infected with. That explains yes. so much. All right, uh, next question is, what is all this talk about dinosaur excavations about? Well, the dinosaur excavations relates back to my screen name, which is paleo, paleontology, yeah. So you can see where that comes from. Are are you the first person who you have seen do that? Because before that little um, front page announcement, I had never seen anyone make that joke. I don't know. I, I can't remember seeing anyone, but that was the first thing I thought of when I saw your name was paleontology. Well, that is a very good thing. You know your Latin roots. <laughs> like I said, I was I was a dinosaur nut when I was little too, so still have a whole bunch of books and everything. So I guess uh, maybe not everyone was as into it as uh, I was, so they didn't, didn't quite make the connection. Okay, then. 
All right, and got news. Last question, as well as a similar one from FF Icemaster. Uh, what dinosaurs have you excavated? I have not excavated any dinosaurs, although I have dug up a, a quite a few Ordovician fossils. All right, it's pretty interesting. What kind of uh, creatures were those? Um, cryo. Oh God, I I can't figure out how to pronounce this ever. Cryobionitoids or something like that. Um, brachiopods, which basically are little branch thingy-majigots, and trilobites. Okay, very cool. All right, uh, our next question is from Fishers64, and they ask, what are you doing with the dinosaur excavations? Nothing. I am doing nothing. Although, it, I might possibly try to get a degree in paleontology if I, yeah, if I make it that far. All right. Well, good luck with that. It's a fun field if you like spending a lot of time out in deserts and uh, canyons digging up stuff. Yeah, that's the one problem. I have zero tolerance of heat. <laughs> well, you can, uh, you know, go dig up the, the frozen, um, you know, more recent specimens that are up in the, the Great White North and such. Yeah. And also, I remember watching Paul Sereno documentary uh dinosaur feature things where they would have this um, tent with sand dunes already rising around it and they would talk about how sand got in everything and it was really dry out there and I always thought I would get thirsty (laughs) hopefully you'd have plenty of water yeah hopefully Uh, next up we have a question from Rakshi Gurak who asks what is the most recently uncovered species of dinosaur I have no clue. Actually, before um, this interview, I looked that up in Google, and I came up with stuff from 2007, 2010, 2011, 2006, 2005. So yeah, I really have no clue. But it's probably because although they may uncover something, they can't quite identify it for a couple of years, and then they publish it in Nature, and then it spreads around after a month, and then yeah. Right. Yeah. There's a lot of uh, scientific process that has to go through before you can say, hey, I found a new species. Yeah. Especially considering there's always the competition for finding the new species. Right. All right. Uh, next up, Sumiki and Gatanui both asked, what is your favorite flavor of ice cream? Two competing ones. One is imaginary. Um, the One of them is Pavarotti, which is chocolate, banana, and caramel. And um, the other, which I've never seen but I wish existed, is orange, chocolate, and pecans. Huh, interesting. I could see the orange and chocolate, but I'm not sure I would personally like the pecans in there. I recently had a little chocolate candy that was a pecan covered in orange chocolate, so I just kind of drew off of that. Well, if there's a candy of it, you know, maybe there's a hope for an ice cream flavor yet. We can only hope. <laughs> you can only hope. Yes. All right. Uh, Fisher64 has one last question. And they ask, what is your least favorite flavor of ice cream? Mixing things up a little bit. Cherry, because cherry and cherries and cherry extract are gross. I can get behind that. <laughs> not not yeah. a fan either. So that's... I- 
I've never found cherries at all appetizing. Even those candied cherries that they stick on top of your sundae, those are just plain gross because you can eat the whole thing and it doesn't taste real. Yeah, those are my least favorite. I always give those away to someone else I'm with. Is the skin plastic? I I don't know. I avoid eating them at all costs. Okay. So I get I guess I will have to bring one into a lab to finally discover what they are. <laughs> Run some tests. Maybe you'll find out that they're really uh, six billion years old and they've just been uh, sitting around for a while. Yeah. Okay. Our next question is from period colon resnos colon period. And they ask, what is your advice to us other BZ Power members on good news to report and such? Follow your dreams. Yeah. Right. Uh, okay. Other than that, um, you can just search for it in Google. Um that that's what I did. And you can also when you find a news story, think about the other news stories that you find on the front page. Um for example, it's generally a better to report something about like a new Legoland opening up in Azerbaijan because they always seem to be spreading farther and farther and farther. Um but don't exactly report something about a cool creation that was reported to that was posted on a tech blog that the author of the tech blog saw and liked that won't get posted yeah if we're going to showcase cool creations we're going to showcase ones made by bz power members yeah we want to draw people to bz power not away from bz power right okay our last question is from lego's very own kevin hink and he asks if you had the ability to design a single new Lego element without restrictions, what would you create? What building purpose would it fulfill? Okay, considering it's Kevin Inkle, I'm really wanting to get this created. Um, you know those two, stu um, two stud-long connectors with um, axle holes? For, in both sides, but it doesn't allow the axle to go completely through. I want one of those with, um, instead of one of the um, little axle holes, instead have a one length of a length of axle, so you could stick it on um, an existing axle and extend it one unit. Interesting. So it'll just basically be be an axle extender. Yes, hmm. but. I've actually found found um, much smaller, weird, fitting strange things together applications for it. Yeah, and I can definitely see a lot of uses in that because most of the uh, Lego Technic axles are an even number of studs long, and mm -hmm. those would allow you to easily convert to to an odd length. Yes, that would be very, very, very nice. So Kevin Hinkle, listen, listen, listen to this, and remember it, and pass it on. Okay. Good. Yeah, unfortunately, Kevin doesn't design the pieces himself, but he knows uh, some of the designers, and uh, hopefully he can pass on that feedback. Well, okay then. Is that is that the last question? That was. Okay. Wait. Is it, I believe that was 20 questions. Okay, I just played 20 questions. Surprise! <laughs> Yay. Did I win? Um, There are no winners or losers on the BC PowerCast. It's all fun and games. Okay. Is it larger than a bread box? 42. Okay. 
Oh, and actually, I take that back because there are winners when we have game shows. Yes. <laughs> I not participate if we have another one of those. Okay. Well, thank you for joining me and thank you for sharing some insight into uh, your dinosaur adult mind. Well, okay then. Thanks. You're welcome and uh, bon voyage. All right. Farewell. All right, so with me now is one of our resident Q&A gurus, Windrider, to do this month's How to BZP. How's it going, Ryan? Oh, pretty uneventful day, but I'm doing fine, thank you. All right, good to hear. So uh, what is on tap for this month? Well, since it's still relatively new and all, I thought that we should cover BZ Power's new gallery on this month's segment. All right, not a bad idea. It was one of our new features we released uh, during the anniversary, and uh, it's been getting a good amount of use, but I think more people need to be aware of uh, what it is and what they can do with it. So let's hear it. As you said, the gallery was added as part of BC Power's 11th anniversary. Uh, the exact date was Sunday, July 22nd. I don't have the time, but that's not important. What is important, though, is that the gallery basically allows... BC Power's members to use the site as an image host. So you can upload your images, share them with everyone, and then you know, host it from BC Power to use in your uh, signature or profile picture and posts, things like that. Now, this feature was mainly intended as a premier perk. However, it is open to all BC Power members. And I'll get into why it's mainly a premier perk in a few seconds here. So, because um, images tend to take up a lot of uh, a lot of space, your allotted space is pretty restricted right now. Though uh, the following restrictions may be evaluated in the future if it's determined that you know this isn't taking up a lot of resources. So, non premiers get a total of two thousand kilobytes of total space in the gallery. Each image can be a maximum of 500 kilobytes. Non-premiers get one album and five images in that album. So yeah, again, kind of restrictive. Premiere members, however, get quite a bit more space. So again, this is why it's mainly a premiere perk. They get 10,000 kilobytes total space. Um, however, they're allotted a maximum of 500 kilobytes per image as well. They're allotted five albums, and they can have 20 images per album. So a good, a good amount more. Yep. I thought it would be a good idea to cover how to get your own gallery within the gallery, or your own album, sorry. To do that, I'm first going to uh, introduce the global albums. So there are a total of one, two, three, four, five, six global albums currently and these are the members gallery bionicle base bionicle based creations system based creations general art comics and kits now the members gallery is basically for any random image you want it, you can upload anything to there provided it's bcp appropriate of course but the themed global albums such as say general art well you're not going to upload a picture of some random cat you took a photo of into that one you're gonna post your artwork there right okay so yeah so to create your own album 
go to uh, whichever global album is appropriate. So let's say the members gallery. And there will be a button in the top right corner called or labeled upload. And you click on that and you'll be brought to a page titled upload and you'll have two options. One is new album or select album. So we want to create a new album, so we click on new album. This brings up a pop-up window. And here you enter the name of the album, album description, the parent album. Now this is, this should already be selected if you, uh, if you want to a global album to start the upload process. But if you click on this, you can choose another parent album if you want. So let's select members gallery. And the rest of the options aren't that important, but you can choose how images will be sorted in the album, such as by upload date, by views, by comments, although comments aren't enabled right now, so strike that one, or sorting by image name, and in ascending or descending order. All right. Now you have the option to make this a friend-only album. And if you do that, only people on your friends list will be able to see it. Uh, we don't recommend this. I highly doubt that this stops the administration from checking your album, so I wouldn't go using this to hide some uh, nasty pictures. <laughs> so, yeah, we recommend selecting the public album option so you can, so everyone can see it. Although, if you do select friend-only album, this won't stop you from... Uh, this this won't prevent you from using BZ Power as an image host, and it won't say block you from using the URL in your signature for the image or anything like that. Anyway, so once you save the preferences, a new field will appear at the bottom of the page, and you want to click on Browse. This will open up your desktop folder, and. From here, just navigate your folders until you get to the image you want. Hit open, and then click on upload. And this will bring you to the, this should bring you to the review and publish stage of uh, the image, or of the uploading stage. Yeah, you know what I mean. We yeah, got I think a little they got it. There. <laughs> if they're following along, you know, they should be pretty self-explanatory. Right. Okay, so we're at a new screen now, the review and publish screen. And here you will input the information for the image you have selected, such as the title, any tags you want to associate with the image, a description, and a copyright field as well, which is a little silly, I think, but hey, got to give credit where credit is due if yeah, applicable. Rates are right. Okay, now on the left-hand side, you'll see a little uh, little selection, a little button. This is the cover image option. Check the, uh, check the box underneath the thumbnail if you want the image you are currently uploading to serve as the cover image for the album. That means that when browsing the global album, your album will display whichever picture you just uploaded. It's, as it says, it's the cover image. 
Below that, we have the delete image option. You should check that and continue on only if you changed your mind, because if you do so, it'll delete the image and it won't appear at all, and you'll probably be sad if you clicked it by accident. You also have a rotate image option if you want to flip it around and give the subjects of your photo a headache or something like that. <laughs> all in good fun. Yes. Oh, something I forgot to cover earlier. Sorry about that. So when uploading an image, keep in mind that you are allotted only 500 kilobytes per image. If you try to upload something larger than that, you'll get an error. And the allowed file extensions are GIF, PNG, JPEG, and TIFF. Is it GIF or GIF? So no. F yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I pronounce it GIF. I might be wrong. Maybe I'm pretty sure parts. it is GIF, yeah. Okay. Like the peanut butter. Yeah. Except without a Y, I guess. There's so, yeah. Jiffy. There, there's peanut butter, J-I-F-F. Really? Go to the hmm. grocery store sometime. <laughs> I go, I'm, I'm a Skippy kind of guy. I think that's why I'm confused. Skippy is by far the superior brand. Anyway, gallery. <laughs> anyway, yes. So, yes, you cannot go uploading flash files. Sorry about that, guys. All right, once you have entered in all the information on the review and publish screen, then you click finish and publish, and your image should be uploaded, and you'll have a new gallery, uh, your own, not gallery, sorry, album. I keep on calling it a gallery. You'll have your very own album. Now, to bypass the album creation process, just go to your album and hit upload, and you can just you can uh, skip right to the uploaded image stage from there. Okay, so now we're going to go to my own album and look at one of these images, and we're going to cover the few options you have. At the bottom, when, when viewing an image, at the bottom of the screen, you'll see five buttons. You have a symbol-y thingy, another symbol-y thingy, another one, image moderation, and report image. I like those technical terms there. I know. I have a PhD in this. <laughs> Better than All in right. horribleness. <laughs> so, image moderation. This allows you to edit the details of the image, uh, such as the title, the description, the copyright. Or you can, from the image moderation button, choose to delete the image if you so desire. Uh, report image. This should be used if the image is not BZP appropriate or if um, any of the notes associated with the image or any of the fields associated with the image, such as description or copyright, are not BZP appropriate. I haven't seen any image or, uh, or description that has been uh, in violation yet, so this is good. Keep it up, guys. Yeah, thank you, everyone. All right, on to the simply thingies. Uh, to the left of image moderation, you have the rotate right option, and you can click on this, and the image will be flipped. Then you have the rotate left option. That does exactly what it says it does. Now, the big one, add note. This is at the very left on the bottom. If you click on this, it brings up a little little uh, selected area on the image and you can move this little box around or 
click on the bottom right corner and drag it to make the area larger. So what this does is it allows you to input text, a, a note to be associated with the image. And whenever a, a viewer hovers over this area with the cursor, the note will appear at the bottom. So for instance, I can type in a note for this uh, little Pokemon image I have in my gallery saying, uh, hello there, or something like that. And now I'm hovering over the area I've selected, and lo and behold, hello there appears at the bottom in a little green note. Right, so this is kind of like, uh, you know, if you've used Flickr, you're familiar with an issue with uh, the feature like this. Uh, so if you if someone posts a mock or something, you can say, hey, you know, nice part usage there, or I like this, or any, or something like that. Uh, you can tag, you know, picture or images of people. So if there's a picture of a bunch of people who are hanging out at Brick Fair, you could say, hey, this is where I was hanging out with uh, Black Six and Windrider, and they were so awesome. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, actually, I'm going to have to correct you there. Uh-oh. Uh, currently, I don't know if this can be changed though, but currently you can add notes only to your own images. So you can't use it to tag other photos. Ah, uh, so yeah, that's, that's one of the downsides of being an administrator sometimes is that I can tag anyone's image. Oh, you can? Yep. Well, fancy that. <laughs> so that would be something that we could, uh potentially enable for everyone i'd have to look into the uh the features then or the settings to see if that could be could be done so we'll put on the to-do okay. list people sorry for the confusion yeah it's fine silly administrators have all the options so um as i mentioned earlier anything you put in the notes has to be bz power appropriate of course uh so that means you know no no flaming no excessive lead no bypassing the word filter. And I've tested this, and yes, things in the notes are word filtered, so they'll, they are subjected to that, so don't go bypassing it. And anything else about these notes? No, I think that's it about the notes. So hopefully you'll find some good use for that. That's about all there is um, under the subject of uploading images and editing images. I have a few miscellaneous to cover though. All right. So here we go. So when viewing an image, you'll see an options menu uh, at the top right corner. This allows you to view all sizes, view EXIF data if it's, uh, if it's applicable. You can generate links to the photo in uh, BB code, an image link, a page link, HTML, though that's not used on PC Power, or at least us members can't, you administrators can. We have all the fun buttons. Yeah. Uh, you can, if you're viewing one of your own images, you can choose to set this as a personal photo. So there you go, using BZ Power as an image host. And you can... Uh, there are, yeah, there are a few other options as well. I, my little image here only has three right now, so I'm blanking on the others, but you can play around with those if you want. All right. So uh, currently, you can follow albums and images by clicking the little uh, thingy <laughs> in the top right, the little... 
little orange it's, icon, or is there another one? Oh, no, 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 the one that says, okay. It's like a, yeah, it's, it's a button that says follow this image. I was looking at the little symbol next to it, which is like a silhouette of three people. But um, following an image won't really do anything because comments for images are disabled. So it's not going to notify you of anything really. But following an album should notify you of any new images posted. Right. There, there's also an option when you're viewing an album, there's little orange RSS icon so you can subscribe to it uh, and get updates in your favorite RSS reader whenever uh, new images are uploaded. Uh, right. Yeah, I see that now. Good. Nice nice little point there. And uh, in a similar similar vein, the ratings for images and albums doesn't seem to work currently. I'm not sure why, but hey, it's busy power. Things break all the time, and they'll be fixed eventually, hopefully. Um, yeah, you can't rate an album. It won't. The stars won't highlight. Uh, rating an image, stars won't highlight either. So I, just a little thing to note there. That might actually be disabled. Okay. I recall. Uh, well, no, it's not important. All right. So it's disabled. That's a good. Yeah. All right. So the last thing I want to cover is the My Media button in the Rich Text Editor. Now, in the Rich Text Editor, in the top bar, there's a My Media button. has some floppy disks next to it for its symbol. If you click on this, it brings up a pop-up window called Your Media Library. And on the side, there are tabs, uh, attachments, events, blog entries, gallery images, and gallery albums. So this allows you to embed a fancy little image link into your post to one of your albums or to one of the images in your gallery. Just a neat little trick. Uh, personally, I didn't know about the... Well, I knew about it. I just had never used the My Media button until Zico pointed it out to me. So I was like, oh, man, I should include this in the compendium. So I wrote up a little thing. You can head on over to the compendium, and the, very, the second to last post is all about the gallery. So if you have any questions, you should go over there and check it out. Well, I think that's all I had to cover, Mr. Six. All right, there's also an option in um, your blogs when you're creating a new entry. Uh, are you familiar with that one? Oh, that's another thing Zico had to point out to me. Yes, you can set an, an entry album. So, you know, if you're building a new mock and you have some work in progress pictures and you want to make a blog entry about it, you can attach your album to that. Or, you know, if uh, you're just at a Lego store opening and you put some pictures on there for it, uh, you know, anything like that, that you have uh, pictures associated with whatever you're blogging about. It's a good little way to link the two together. And this way people can kind of comment on the pictures. Uh, yeah, that's a good point there. And for the members' reference, these uh, these options are available at the add entry screen. You have entry image and entry album and a choose file button and drop-down menu for the album selector. So there you go. All right. Well, I have nothing else except to to uh, plug the compendium again. 
So go give it love. (laughs) (laughs) We worked hard on it. No, but I think, you know, you should definitely uh, take a look at using the gallery. There's a lot of uh, good uses for it, you know, from hosting images of your mocks to, you know, signature and uh, avatar images you can use. Um, You know, you don't have to worry about uh, brick shelf going offline and not being able to see your your mock on VZ Power anymore. So that's always a, a plus. Won't have to worry about breaking the brick shelf guidelines. Oh wait, those don't exist anymore. <laughs> At least not on VC Power. I think it's a, it's a good feature, and like you mentioned at the beginning, we there are some pretty strict limits uh, right now, um, but we will be reevaluating those probably around the end of the year or so. After you know we've given uh, all you guys a, a few months to kind of understand uh, the features and how to use it. Uh, right now, there's a good number of images in there, but. Um, Definitely not nearly uh, enough that they're at the point where they're taxing the server. So if uh, the usage stays, um, you know, stays reasonable, we'll definitely consider upping the limits for for members and premieres, so you guys can upload more images and uh, share more stuff. I think that's uh, that's all I've got. All right. Well, I hope you all found this helpful. I hope you'll all check out the gallery, as Black Six said. And, uh, yeah, until next month. All right. Well, thanks a lot. All right. Talk to you then. Okay. Joining me now is BZ Power member Kevin Hink, who also happens to be Kevin Hinkle, Lego employee. How's it going, sir? Oh, it is going fantastic. How are you? Not too bad. Thanks a lot for uh, joining us on the BZ Powercast. Not a problem. Thank you for the opportunity. Okay, so uh, we're going to go and ask you some questions so our members can learn a bit about uh, you and um, you know what you do with Lego and things like that. And sure. they also have submitted some of their own questions to get some insight into some of the workings at uh, the company. Ooh, okay. <laughs> All right, so uh, we'll start off with some background questions. So first off, uh, who are you and what do you do at Lego? I am a figment of your imagination. <laughs> that explains so much. <laughs> Uh, but in real life, uh, I, I am actually the North American Community Coordinator for Lego, uh, and that's a very fancy title. And what that means is I talk to fans. <laughs> that is the, that's the uh, the moral of the story. Um, but I am part of a uh, a team of thirteen individuals at the Lego company um, globally that interact with, engage, and collaborate with the with the fan community um, all across the world. Uh, and that covers everything from um, online fan support, uh, such as supporting BZ Power, um, to fan conventions and, and fan events like LUG displays. And, and a LUG is a LEGO user group for those that don't know that. Um, uh, you know, everything from, from those kind of big stuff to just answering questions through email, uh, having that point of contact with the, with the company that you can kind of ask your questions or uh, voice your concerns or issues. Um, and we really just try to um, be that that middle ground between the fan community and the Lego company, uh, and so I'm specifically responsible for um, North America. That's my region. So um, the U.S. and Canada. That is my scope. Okay. So I know a lot of our members are probably familiar with some of the support you've given BZ Power uh, with some contest prizes and sets to review. But what are some of the other ways you support uh, online communities and uh, fan events and things like that? 
Um, yeah, definitely. Uh, product is is the easiest to see on the outside because you're like, oh yeah, you're the guy that you know gave us the prize. <laughs> it's like, yeah, that's it's a very easy example. Um, but obviously, the, the most sim- simple form of support is being able to ask questions. Um, you know, like if you guys have a question on your site, like you know, hey, we heard a rumor that this was happening or this was going on. Um, I'm kind of that guy that you can actually ask your question to, and I can give you an answer. And if I can't get you an answer, I can uh, at least kind of research around the company and see if we can find the answer to that. Um, if we can even disclose it, because sometimes we can't. Um, so you know, having that. That point of contact is definitely good. Um, obviously, product product donations for contests or for reviews. Sometimes, if there's like a um, a product that maybe the company is trying to push, or maybe there's something that the site wants to push, um, we try to get um, set donations so that you guys can do a review on it and then and then keep that. Um, but we we've been trying to do more and more stuff with the online community. Um, but our goal is to try to keep it very uh, consistent across all the different online sites because there are a lot of sites and more and more keep popping up. Uh, and so we try to kind of keep that spread out amongst all the sites. Okay. Awesome. It's uh, definitely good to try to be fair because you don't want uh, someone complaining up to Lego and then we lose all of our support. <laughs> we love all of our children equally. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So how did you get started uh, at this job and what's your previous history of working with Lego? So I started working for the company in uh, September 2005. Um, so w- right around the uh, the crisis time, if people know the the history of Lego, um, I'll let you go and and search that out, which is fun. Um, but I started uh, actually working in the Lego store, and so in Denver, Colorado, at the time, uh, the only Lego store that was there in Colorado Mills. Um, I started working part time uh, sales associate, so bottom of the rung, uh, minimum wage, stock boy. Uh, it was a really cool job, but it was a job. Uh, you know, there wasn't anything special to it. Um, and I actually worked in that store um, for four years through uh, sales associate to supervisor to assistant store manager uh, before transferring down to Chandler, Arizona, um, where I was given the uh, opportunity to be a store manager. And so I store managed the um, Chandler, Arizona store for a year before transferring again. Uh, to Austin, Texas, which is actually my hometown. I'm from Austin originally. Uh, and I managed that store for a year um, before uh, applying and accepting the, the, this position, uh, which has me working at the uh, corporate office for the U.S., which is in Enfield, Connecticut. Um, so I, I started as a, as a store employee. Um, a little rare. Uh, there's not too many store employees that, that break the shell. Um, but, it, you know, it's it's definitely... Um, cool <laughs> to get out, and it's it's obviously fun going around now and getting to talk to some of the stores and some of the employees, and they're like, "Wow, you know, you you were able to break the shell and you got out." And I'm like, "Yeah, you know, and and you too can follow my four year program if you follow these steps." <laughs> uh, and so it's it's been it's been quite a journey. Um, and so I've I've basically worked any role you can work in a Lego store. Um, and with that, I actually had a lot of experience working with the fan community uh, in three different areas, you know, because I was um, also very active with the fan, uh, the lugs in my areas. So Cow Lug in Colorado, uh, which is for the, the stands for the Colorado and Wyoming Lego user group, uh, Cactus Brick down in Arizona, and then uh, Tex Lug in Texas. And so I was very active within the fan community as well, you know, with various events and stuff that they do on a store level, like master model building events. Um, you know, anniversaries. And, um, and so I had a good history working with the fans on kind of a Lego professional uh, liaison role 
Um, and, and fortunately for me, um, I had known um, my current manager, Jim, uh, I had known him for a couple of years since I originally met him in Colorado. And so he was able to kind of see that. Um, and luckily for me, <laughs> be able to point that out and, and offer me the position. Okay. So what made you uh, want to go uh, move from the stores into the community job? You know, the stores, it was fun for a time. <laughs> and, uh, you know, retail is retail and it does take its toll. Uh, and so I was kind of looking for, for something new, really, something kind of a, a different challenge. I, I did not want to um, leave the company because I, I think Lego is a fantastic company to work for and I wanted to stay with the company. Um, but I wasn't quite sure if I wanted to keep doing the retail uh, game uh, because before I was uh, I was about six years into retail before I transferred over to community. Uh, and so I was looking into a bunch of different things and, and you know, going through the site. Um, and I found out about this position from the Lego job site, um, the jobs.lego.com. Um, which is a, a funny thing because a lot of people are like, oh, how did, you know, how did you get this job? It's like I just applied like anybody else online. Um, and so – and I found this one uh, and it was you know, very you know, interesting. I thought – I was like, oh, wow. Um, and I mean from reading the job description and stuff, I had no clue what it really meant. I was like, okay, fans, that's fine. I deal with fans. Um, you know, but I needed some more clarity and stuff so I had to look into it because you know, of course those job postings always you know, very – very sophisticated language and complicated words. And you're like, what does this job mean? <laughs> and so, but, um, but it seemed interesting among some other ones. Uh, and so I ended up looking at this one and this one seemed like, uh, it was a good fit. Um, especially talking with, um, with my DM at the time, my district manager, um, some of my, uh, staff members at the store speaking with family. Um, this one seemed to mesh well with what I was already kind of doing, uh, where I could still break out of the retail shell. Um, and so I was like, okay, let's go for it. Let's give it the old college try. Um, and luckily it's worked out. All right. Uh, speaking of the, the college try, did, uh, your degree you think have any impact? Um, is that anything at all related to what you're doing now? Well, um, I would like to think so, but I, I don't know for sure. I mean, having a degree has helped. Uh, so I, I studied um, animation actually in Colorado, which is the reason why I moved from Austin to Colorado, um, was to go to uh, art school. And so I studied animation. So I actually have a bachelor's degree in animation. Um, and I mean, personally for me, I, I've always thought, you know, hey, toys, cartoons, it's all kind of the same thing. You know, it's all childish, childish, you know, kind of behaviors and stuff. It's all meshing well. Um, but I mean, I know there's been a couple times. Um, you know, moving through the corporate ladders and stuff that they're like, oh, do you have a degree? And I'm like, yeah, I've got a degree. And they're like, oh, that's perfect then. That's all you need. And I'm like, okay, good. <laughs> I'm like, I'm glad you didn't ask what the degree was in because that might have affected things. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I've got one. Um, and so I, I, I would like to think it's, it's helped. I mean, there's been some opportunities um, for sure that, that some of that uh, skill set has come in handy um, for different things, both within the job and outside of the job. Um, but, uh, but it doesn't, it doesn't hurt. <laughs> That's my plug for stay in school kids. <laughs> so obviously a lot of fans would love to get a job at Lego and we've heard, uh, your path, uh, any advice, uh, for anyone else out there to, for what they could do if they're interested in uh, working for the company? Definitely, you know, think about what you'd want to do. Uh, cause you know, I, I do go to a lot of the events, the conventions, you know, brick roll, brick fair, brick con, 
Um, and so, yeah, that, that question comes up a lot is like, Hey, how could I, you know, work for Lego? And I usually go, Oh, that's, that's fantastic. You want to work for the company? What would you like to do? And they have no answer. And I'm like, well, I can't really guide you because you don't know what you want to do. Um, and so, you know, look into it. There's a lot of stuff. I mean, you know, the company has a lot of different avenues to explore, you know, everything from, you know, if you want to work into a Lego store, fantastic, and do the retail game. Um, you could be a designer. You know, you could you can work online with you know, web development or game development. There's so many different avenues to explore, um, and so there's a lot of options. And so it it, it kind of helps to know kind of what path you want to go. Um, but really, um, one you know kind of I guess hidden secret I, I guess I think people think um, is anytime we have job openings, we do put them online on our uh, internal job posting site, the jobs.lego.com. Um, a lot of people seem to think we don't, and we only put like the lame jobs on there. Um, but I have seen positions on there for designer. I've seen like minifig designer. Um, I got my position um, off of there, uh, and so it's definitely a site to, to keep your eyes on if you know if you're looking. And it's a global site, so you can filter by region, state, country. Um, you can also filter by what you're thinking, like if you wanted to do art or if you wanted to do um, you know different types of technical stuff, you know, web development or whatever, but keep your eyes peeled on that site because if there is something that interests you and it's kind of along your path of what you want to explore, um, that's going to be your way to, to submit that application in for sure. And you should also not mind uh, moving to Connecticut or Denmark, I guess. Oh, yes. Re relocation uh, comes up a lot. Um, obviously, there, there are um, multiple headquarters uh, all over the world, actually, um, but the, the two mega um, spots is going to be Enfield, Connecticut, and uh, Billund, Denmark, and, and Billund is our world headquarters. Um, and so there, there are quite a few, not all, but quite a few positions where you do absolutely have to live in Denmark to do. Um, one of those is the designer, uh, which, is, which comes up a lot. A lot of people want to explore the designing Lego sets route, um, and that one, is a, that one is an absolute. You do have to move to Denmark for that one, um, just because that is where our development department sits. Um, but yeah, it, it, most of the time it'll say that kind of stuff in the, in the postings, but yeah, uh, be willing to relocate is, is a big deal. <laughs> okay. Uh, so why don't you tell us a little bit about your history with Lego? Were you, uh, an adult fan before you got, uh, your job at the retail store or had you kind of drifted off? You know, I, so of course I played with it as a, as a child, as, as many people did. Um, and, uh, as a kid, I was all about it and had, um, you know, a lot of Western sets, which is absolutely my favorite theme of all time. Um, but also had some of the Aqua Zone stuff, some of the city stuff. Um, and, you know, I had fun, played a lot with it with my, my buddies and stuff. But uh, hit the Dark Age, you know, around 12, 13, I don't remember. But uh, ended up passing it, passing the tub. I had the big tub, um, passing that down to my younger siblings. Uh, and, and that was right before I moved off to Colorado. Um, and then I got the job working in the store and I had not at all thought about it in the least since I had given it up. And so I was like, oh, Lego store, this is pretty, it's pretty crazy. Um, ended up getting the job there. Still wasn't quite a fan, still not back out into that, into that, um, region yet. And, um, after working for a little bit, I was like, man, you know, I started buying sets, started building stuff, displays for the store, getting a couple for myself. I'm like, man, why did I ever stop playing with this stuff? This is amazing. Um, and so, you know, we usually took a, a yearly trip back down for the holidays. And so, uh, I took a trip down to Austin and I was like, Hey, do you guys still have that tub? Uh, and they were like, Oh, we think so. Maybe it's in the garage or something. Um, and so I took it back and that was a big step for me taking the tub back. <laughs> um, 
it was all downhill from there, I believe. Uh, but I took the dumb back and I just started adding to it exponentially. Um, and, you know, started building stuff again. Um, but I, I didn't quite really come out of the, just the building sets and stuff um, until I got involved with Cowlug, uh, the, the local fan group, um, because they, they had kind of coerced me to join. Um, and so I was a part of the group, but I wasn't really building my own stuff. I was just you know building sets. It was really cool, um, having a lot of fun, had my old stuff. And of course, with my old stuff, I brought it over and I was, again, just trying to build the old stuff I had before. So trying to build the Fort Legoredo or trying to build you know, the AquaZone um, headquarters. Wasn't really trying to build anything my own way or my own style. Um, and so they had done a show in the mall, uh, like a big, a big layout, a display. And um, they were like, oh, you need to build something. You need to build something. And, and I was like, man, I am not up to their level in this kind of stuff. Because uh, I had seen the stuff they were doing, like skyscrapers mm-hmm. and, and these these massive things, you know, observatories with like mind storms controlled, like telescopes and things. And I'm like, uh, I build like star Wars sets out of the boxes. Uh, and so it was like a little, you know, um, got to start somewhere though. Yeah, I absolutely. And so, um, but I'm, I'm, I definitely credit them to kind of getting me out of that box because I was like, okay. Uh, and ended up building, um, a replica of the store I was working in. So a, a Lego store of the Lego store. Um, and that was kind of my, my breakthrough moment of, oh, okay, I guess I could build stuff that's not in a kit. Um, and so I, I just went from there and I was like, oh, now I just want to build all kinds of stuff. So I was an employee. If we're, if we're talking in terms of adult fan, I was an employee first. And then after being kind of immersed in the company culture and the product and everything, I kind of became a fan. Uh, and then from there now, I mean, I'm in it now, now, you know, you cut me and I bleed bricks. It's, it's amazing. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, it was a little backwards for me. And so I, I started, started as an employee first and then swung over to the other side and now I got to walk the line. (laughs) (laughs) Would you say that's uh, kind of unusual for employees to be hardcore fans like that? Um, you know, it depends. It's like any other company, you know, sometimes you've got people that are just absolutely hardcore, you know, about the product or, you know, about the brand and that's fantastic. And some people really aren't. And, and, you know, that's also okay. You know, they may be really good at their job and they know what they're doing. Um, but I know at least around the office, you know, you'll walk around and some people just have, you know, their area is just filled with just stuff and sets and things. And then some of them are just like, there's not a single Lego brick. And you're like, okay, you do work for a toy company. <laughs> um, it's like, well, you're, I guess you're fantastic at developing the website. But, <laughs> you know, but, uh, but it, it varies. It varies, you know, wildly. Um, and, and I found that a lot of people that, you know, they come in, you'll either kind of get hooked right away or you kind of just, it doesn't ever happen. Because um, there's even designers um, that are full-blown fans, you know, and they've got like layouts in their, in their house. Uh, and then there's other ones that just don't touch the product. They, they play with it at, at work and they develop amazing Lego sets, but they don't have any Lego at home, like at all, not a single brick. That, that just uh, seems very shocking. It, it does, but it's, it, it's all over the place. It's all within the company and it just kind of varies. Um, but it, it just, you know, it depends on who you are and what you like. Okay. Uh, Changing gears a little bit. So what is your uh, favorite Lego theme that's uh, currently available? Oh, that's currently available. Man, you got to change it up on me. Um... <sighs> it's normally so much easier because people are like, what's your favorite theme? And I'm like, Western. <laughs> and I can't say Western because we're not making Western. Um, 
you know, I like – I mean I'm a big Star Wars fan. I've always been a big Star Wars fan. Um, and so I could, I could fall back and say Star Wars. Um, but I don't know. Um, I'm trying to think of maybe what I have the most of. I've been really big into the Monster Fighter stuff. I think that's pretty sweet. Uh, I just got the, um, the zombie set that was the exclusive at uh, Target, I believe. Um, and so that's been pretty cool. But I'm still going to hold out hope that eventually I can have my Western sets again one day. <laughs> hey, the uh, the Kuso project hit uh, hit ten thousand. I so. know it is in review, and and believe me, I I bug the Kuso team constantly because I'm also waiting to see if that Legend of Zelda uh, crosses the threshold. <laughs> <laughs> well, so so that kind of dovetails into my next question, which is, um, what kind of lines would you like to see Lego make in the future? Both um, you know new ideas or, or license sets. Is there anything in addition to those two? You know, I have always been a very loyal uh, Nintendo fan from the very beginning. I've had every Nintendo system uh, and only Nintendo systems. I don't, I've never branched out. I haven't gone with PlayStation or Xbox or, or back in the Sega days. I never touched any of it. I was, I was Nintendo. I needed my Mario, my Kirby, my Donkey Kong, my Star Fox, uh, my Zelda. Uh, I would love it if we could ever explore the opportunity of some kind of Nintendo partnership. Um, I, I think I'd be, I'd be fine. I'd be done. You could stick a fork in me. I'm done. <laughs> I'm like, I've gotten everything I wanted. Um, but I, I would love that. That'd be fantastic. If we could do something Nintendo related would be awesome. Okay. Uh, so BZ power, we're obviously a Bionicle fan site. So why don't you tell us a little bit about any experiences you've had with Bionicle and uh, what your thoughts were on that line? So Bionicle for me, I can say that my son is obsessed with it. Um, and so he, I do have a son, and he is, he is the Bionicle Hero Factory nut in the house. Um, and he's got some, some large tubs. Uh, he's got about four tubs uh, in his room, and three of them are filled with Bionicle and Hero Factory, and only one of them is like half full of system brick. Um, so he is the nut, and so he has a lot of the knowledge, uh, the the story knowledge and stuff, and I kind of rely on him sometimes. Um, but back in the store days, uh, when I kind of had the, you know, had to be the the resident, you know, um, the guy that the the holder of the knowledge, and so I was always, you know, looking in the the stories and the movies and the games and stuff. Um, personally, I I kind of liked the um, the Paraka line. That was like my favorite Bionicle line. Uh, I just loved the whole cartoony look to them with the, the giant white teeth and the the eyeballs and the glowing red. I loved that. I thought that was really really cool. Um, a lot of the other ones didn't you know hit it out of the park for me. I mean, I just wasn't. I mean, I built them. I had them on display. I watched all of the movies. Uh, played the the video games. Um, but it was really more of just kind of a research purposes, just so I could know it, to talk to the kids about it, be very knowledgeable about it. Um, but uh, Paraka was really kind of that only wave that I was like, oh, these are awesome. And I got all the Parakas. Uh, I was like, I need to have all these guys. Um, and I liked that whole, that whole little that story arc there was kind of interesting to me. Um, outside of that, I, I had respect for it, of what it's done. Um, but I was never a huge Bionicle nut myself. Okay. Uh, so also, um, I guess last year sometime you took the uh, plunge and joined BZ Power. So what is yeah. <laughs> once we got our formers back online? Because I know uh, we talked to you uh, last July at Brick Fiesta, and we were still uh, offline. But you you did remember us, and you joined. Oh, of course. <laughs> so uh, what's your time been uh, like on BZ Power so far? What are your thoughts on the site? 
Oh, it's great. I, I think, I mean, all the fan sites are fantastic because you all have different areas that you explore. And so it's kind of interesting because I've got, you know, I've got my little favorite drop down box and I've got my 15 to 20 sites that I'll check every single day, as most of us do. Uh, and I think it's fascinating which which articles different sites choose to to blog or post uh, or how fast they do it or which is the first one to hit it. Um, but I I've I have to say I've got a, a very big respect for uh, for you guys and all the like the moderation and stuff you guys do on the forums. I think that's really cool for the kids. I know a lot of people have their comments and their their uh, their thoughts on that. But I personally think it's really fantastic um, just because it does make it a a, a very safe place for for kids to be able to go and chat um not that that's you know it's all kids i mean of course there's teens and adults and all that good stuff too but um but i think that's fantastic and i know we've talked a little bit about that and um some of the heat you guys have gotten from some of the members on the moderation and stuff but um coming from someone who works you know for a children's toy company i think that's pretty cool um but uh but other than that you know it's been great i i especially like some of the uh the art contests you guys have done because that that gets me uh gives me an opportunity to bust out the old pen and pencil and and draw again so uh because i placed third in your last uh your art battlescape contest i was pretty excited (laughs) yeah i I saw that good job congratulations (laughs) thank you that's that's that uh it's funny because that was it was perfectly timed because we were having a, a heated debate in the office uh, between me and my boss, because he he's all about space. Space is the ultimate theme for him, and I'm like, no, Western cowboys. And we had just been going back and forth and back and forth for like that whole week, and like doing random little jokes and stuff on each other. Where um, like I'd have like a whole bunch of cowboys one day, he'd come in, he have all these space things all around his desk, and then that contest, and they're like, battlescapes have people fighting people. I'm like, oh my goodness, I need cowboys uh, kicking some space butt. <laughs> I was like, that is what I need. That must happen right now. Uh, and so I, I like that. I haven't really seen that uh, too many other places, I don't think. I mean, I could have missed it, but I don't think I've seen a lot of other sites do kind of explore different kind of contests like that, like art contests and stuff. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I think uh, one of the reasons for that is kind of the fact that Bionicle itself had branched out into so many ways. I mean, they had the comics, they had you know the books and the movies where yeah. most of their Lego lines don't have that to kind of help inspire uh, people to, do, to go into that area. Yeah, it's an easy fit. And I appreciate the comments on on the moderation. Uh, you know, like you said, it's you know, Lego is a, a children's toy company, so we try to kind of follow the that same uh, mantra. Yeah. All right. So now um, our members have asked uh, a bunch of questions, and so I'm gonna relay a couple, some of those to you. Cool. And uh, we'll see see what you have to say. So. Yes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> First off, uh, Burn Mad to Emoticons asks what I'm sure so many others are thinking: When are you bringing Bonacle back? When, ah, Kevin? Yes, of course. Uh, you know, I don't know. There, there's no answer to that question. Of course, you know, never say never with Lego, as with anything. You know, I can't say for sure. It's completely 100%, absolutely never going to come back. Um, but I also can't say for sure. Absolutely, it's going to come. You know, tomorrow or next year. Um, I don't know. That's a, it's a mystery. <laughs> <laughs> All right. It's fair though. Fair question. <laughs> so there, there have been a bunch of questions in here about um, you know pieces and colors and things like that. So we'll try to go over some of those. But uh, I understand if you're not able to answer a, a lot of those. But I'll let you know. <laughs> Lego Obs- obsessionist asks, uh, how expensive is it to recolor a piece? So maybe you could you just know, talk it, about some of the the color yeah. choices in general. Yeah, um, you know, the, the designers um, are actually the one that get, uh, and not all designers, but 
um, ones that work within certain themes um, that have a budget for um, with a, with a new color or new elements. Um, like uh, for example, the team the well each theme is a team. Um, so like the creator theme has its own team of designers that work specifically on creator. Um, and so each theme has a different budget. Uh, so with Creator, they they typically do not have a budget to introduce new elements or introduce new colors. Um, usually, like the Big Bangs, um, they have a budget for that kind of stuff. So um, like Star Wars, like Ninjago, the the really heavy hitters, the big big numbers, they usually have a budget. They they allocate specifically towards um, developing new elements or. Um, developing an element in a new color. Uh, it is it is expensive. That's why not every team gets that. Um, but they the designers get to kind of look through certain um, elements, and if they think that it's important to have it in a new color, um, they'll explore it, and they'll, they'll take it up their channels and say, hey, I think it's really important that we have this piece in yellow. Um, and if they you know evaluate the cost and see how much that's going to affect the set, they may get it, they may not. They don't always get it. Um, but they have, um, it's kind of cool at their desk, they have a spray can, um, of every single color on the current Lego palette. And so, um, if they, like, if they have like a one by, you know, one by four and they're like, oh, I wonder what this one by four would look like in olive green, they can just paint it real quick and go, okay, put it on the model. That way you've got something right then and there in your hands. You can play with it. You can test it. Um, and then they'll, you know, take it up the, take it up the channels and explore it. But yeah, you know, it's a costly, it's a costly, uh, procedure, but. Um, but it does happen, and they try to explore it when and where they can. So, all right. Uh, so next up, Zeraz had a couple questions. Um, so, how does the process for transparent colors differ from solid ones? I guess from a choice and maybe manufacturing process. Well, it's. Um, I can say the one difference between them um, is that it's actually a different material. So you know, as most people know, ABS uh, is the is the material that almost all of Lego is made out of, but that's not the only material we use. Um, anytime there's a translucent anything, like if it's just clear, trans blue, trans yellow, um, that's actually not ABS. That is a, a different type of plastic. Um, the name escapes me right now, but I'm sure you could find it if, uh, if you search online. But um, it's a different type of plastic to get the clear and to make sure that it's still um, you know, sturdy enough to, to build with because uh, ABS gets kind of brittle uh, when it's clear. And we don't want that. We don't want sets that are falling apart or breaking or cracking or anything like that. So it's actually um, uh, it's a different material that we use to do clear elements. So how does that explain uh, lime green and the brittleness we have there? Uh, it's not. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> lime green is sturdy. <laughs> Maybe now, but there is a time. <laughs> Okay. Uh, they also asked, uh, how are some of the specialty pieces designed, like the Hero Factory hex shields? Um, you know, it's again, it's the same process that um, that the designers use for any element. You know, if there's something that they they want to explore, then they'll they'll have like a little prototype with it. They might carve it like out of wood or out of foam, um, you know, and be able to kind of just prototype it. And, and if it works, if it if it meets the budget. You know, if it doesn't take the cost of the set, you know, up in the sky or, you know, something that is still kind of reasonable, they'll explore it and they'll put it out. Um, it's a very similar process for any kind of new elements. So, but there's, there's some really good stuff out there, some good videos um, that you can look to to see how they kind of design uh, new elements, which is really interesting. All right. And their last question is, what is the quality control process like at Lego? Uh, it is pretty intense. Um, they, they go through... Uh, I mean, obviously, for the most part, the, 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 as much as it can, the process is very automated. It's all robots and, um, 
you know, all the fancy Skynet good stuff um, that hopefully doesn't turn on us one day. <laughs> um, and so they, they've got all these different scanners and stuff. They can look through the bricks. Um, they've even got um, like a CAT scan uh, machine in Billen that they can use to scan bricks. It's pretty intense. Um, but they'll go through it, and, and I believe the um, the um, – the last figure was that only one out of every 18 million bricks actually fails the, the quality control. Um, I mean, every now and then, of course, one will sneak out into the sets, but, um, but they go through every little part of those elements to make sure, um, you know, as far as like heating them up, uh, like if they bake like a new set, like when they develop new sets, they'll actually put it in an oven and bake it. Uh, to make sure that, you know, all the weak points on it, that as plastic expands, you know, how well does this set stay together? They also kind of beat them with hammers and stuff. Like they have a machine that has like a hammer and it just beats it, <laughs> um, you know, to kind of simulate, you know, kids playing rough with it over the years. Um, there's also like the saliva test to make sure, you know, any of the paints, like if it's like the dinosaur mold that has like the eyes and stuff painted on it, like the paints don't come off. Um, if like a kid were to throw it in its mouth, there's all kinds of tests and procedures and stuff they go through, uh, to make sure it's, you know, absolutely the safest, you know, top quality we can, um, to send it out there. And, and yeah, a lot of that stuff's kind of automated. Um, but there's still people that'll pull, you know, random samples off the line and they'll go and put them under the microscope and, and take out the little rulers and stuff. Um, it, it's a pretty intense procedure. I don't know if I would have the patience for that. <laughs> well, it's good someone does. and that, uh, Someone's got to do yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> helps, helps Lego keep their uh, high quality reputation. Absolutely. All right. Uh, next question comes from Dude the Insane. And they ask, how long does it usually take to come up with a new set? Usually about... 18 months. That's kind of the, the, the process from development, like sketching um, to production and pumping out the boxes and you're about to see it on the shelf. Sometimes it can get a little longer than that if it's like a, a licensed set, you know, like Star Wars, Lord of the Rings, Harry Potter, because uh, then you've got to work with a licensed partner, make sure they're okay with it, they've approved it, it goes back, it goes forth, um, you know, kind of tweaking things. But if it's our own kind of homegrown thing, um, typically about an 18 month turnaround. Does it sometimes have to, uh, go shorter? Like for example, with, uh, the Hobbit sets, you know, we've seen the, the bag end set, but, um, you know, how early do the designers, would they be able to get involved with doing something for a license where the actual source material isn't out yet? Yeah, sometimes they can go pretty far in advance. Like they can go up to like three years in advance. It's it's pretty ridiculous. Um, but yeah, with with different movies and stuff, it's it's super locked down. Like they will like Warner Brothers will send you know the scripts and like shots from the movies and like anything that could ever ruin that movie for you, <laughs> they'll send it over, and uh, they'll let the designers go through that and um, you know kind of produce certain sets. And yeah, they keep it under lock and key because uh, obviously. As usual, we don't want the Lego set to be leaked out ahead of time, but we also don't want to spoil like maybe a movie or, or some, a scene from a film um, that we're working with a partner like Warner Brothers because that would be pretty disastrous as well. Um, so yeah, it can, go, it can go pretty far in advance, but it can also be a little bit shorter. Um, like if it's 100% uh, like, like a homegrown, like um, for example, like the little Lego store set that you get when you go to the grand openings of the Lego store, like it doesn't take like 18 months to develop that because that's very small – internal we don't need to ask anybody for permissions or rights or anything like that um like we can turn that around you know maybe within 12 months um but yeah it can go anywhere like you know quick quick turnaround like a a, a year most of the time we're thinking around the 18 18 months um but it can go far out like three years three years out okay uh 
BFA Home has a completely serious question, and they ask, hey, can I have all the sets? Uh, absolutely. <laughs> one of everything, of all, one of every set in the history of sets. <laughs> uh, maybe maybe just like this year's range, right? Oh, just this current yeah. year's collection. Uh, oh, in that case, then no. <laughs> Uh, anyone can have all the sets. They just need to make sure they have a, a big limit on their credit card. As as long as the bank says okay, then it's all yours, man. <laughs> Got to keep your eyes open for all those sales. Right. <laughs> okay. Uh, Toe of Smooth Jazz asks, what are the most costly parts to make? Ones that have different types of material in the same element. Uh, and a good example to explain what I mean is the dice. So we know the the board games that we have. Um, there's the dice, and it's uh, you've got the hard ABS plastic with the studs on the inside, and then you've got like the kind of smooth rubber um, out, outer kind of covering so it can roll across a, a table. Because of that, the mold has to be super complex uh, because it's got to be able to do both components. So it's got to be able to mold like the inside of it and then like flip the mold around, and it has a different compartment of the mold that will inject like the rubber part. Those are very expensive. Um, and as the last that I heard that the dice was still currently the most expensive mold that we've got. Wow. Okay. All right. Uh, Sumiki asks, when is monorail coming back? As soon as he stopped asking me about it. (laughs) 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 Oh, the monorail question. Uh, yeah, no, it's, it's the same as the, same as the Bionicle question. Unfortunately, I, I can't give an answer to it. It's something that was around way back when. Um, and you never know, never say never with Lego. Um, but at this point I, I can't answer that. I'm pretty sure Sumiki was too young even for the, uh, Unitron monorail. So probably. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, let's see. Next up, uh, Diker asks, should we be expecting more construction figures even after hero factory ends? Do you have any current plans? Which obviously you can't tell us about. <laughs> obviously, that's that. Unfortunately, that's the sad thing is is future plans are are secretive. You know, we don't. There's a lot of reasons why we don't want to give those give those away. But I mean, we've got no plans to end the the construction um, theme anytime soon. Good to know. All right, and the next question is kind of related. Rarity asks: Is Hero Factory in danger of being canceled anytime soon? Not that I know of. Okay. All right. Uh, next, your good buddy Pat DV asks, "Can we bring back nine volt trains?" Can Can you? I when I hear "Can we bring it back?" I am <laughs> assuming that means can he? He can absolutely bring it back. <laughs> okay. <laughs> he has my permission for him to to remake it. <laughs> I know he still uh, needs to make a Bonacle train, so hopefully that'll be good news. He does. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> It'll make it easy. <laughs> All right. Uh, Swert asks, "Where's my Half Life Two Lego sets?" Uh, it's in his tub because he has yet to make them. <laughs> Your imagination, my friend. <laughs> All right. Uh, Sison asks, is there a possibility for a Pokemon set? I I hope. I've, I have got a Kuso project on, on actually, because uh, I am a big Pokemon fan. And I know we talked a little bit about this at Brick Fair. Um, but, uh, I'm a, I'm a huge fan. Obviously that goes right in my whole Nintendo wish list of the future. Um, but I, I do actually have a, a Pokemon project on Kuso that I'm I'm rallying for to get my 10,000 votes. I'm I'm only at 385 as of 
this morning. So I hope to push that a little further. So if you want it, you could go online and help. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, hopefully I'll get some more support for that as, as we go forward. <laughs> We'll, That's we'll the have goal. To see that was how... the whole reason I did this whole thing. <laughs> For that one shameless plug. For that one shameless plug. Now we can end it. Goodbye. <laughs> all right. Good talking to you, Kevin. Now, <laughs> all right. So a few more questions. Uh, Tanu Toe of Earth asks, uh, do you guys plan on using more Bonacle parts in Hero Factory sets? And I guess kind of I'll tie on to that. Um, you know, how, how often do you guys bring back older parts from old molds that uh, aren't being current? It you know sometimes a certain element you won't see it um, for a little while and then it kind of pops back in. Um, if a mold is actually officially retired, it, it's not going to come back in any way, shape, or form. Um, because when we retire a mold, um, when we kind of deem it's the end of its life, we actually destroy it. So we don't like put it in a vault and then go. Well, maybe we'll bring that in, out again in like a year. Um, you know, like sometimes if an element is just maybe used just in one set we can kind of drag it on a little bit longer uh, and kind of give it a little bit of life. And then maybe another designer is like, oh, wow, we need to really explore this element, but I want it in purple now. And then it's bam, it's, it's back, in, back in, the, in the mix and it's full force ahead. Um, but if a mold is actually done, um, it, it gets destroyed. It actually gets um, buried underneath the factory, um, under the concrete floor, believe it or not. Um, and it's, it's been a tradition since the beginning, um, you know, back in the day, uh, so that competitors can't take the molds, um, and they still do it today. Um, so you may see elements that maybe kind of slowly kind of drip out and you haven't seen them for a little while. Um, but then it comes back, but if it's completely been gone and like you haven't seen it for a whole year, it's probably not coming back. Um, and so like uh, an example that I can think of is like the old school cowboy hats, again, going back to the whole Western, you know, thing uh the old cowboy hats they're they're gone they're done because uh, that you know we haven't seen that in years um and so now you see like with the collectible minifigs of the cowboy he's kind of got the fedora on um instead of like the uh the old school cowboy hat because that mold is done it's destroyed um and so they could you know do something similar um you know sculpt out a similar element that that is new but the one you knew would be gone if it was completely retired okay Right, and Tanu also asks, when will a new Lego castle line come out? Uh, in the future. <laughs> <laughs> that was easy. <laughs> so would you say that Lord of the Rings is kind of taking that place for now, like uh, Star Wars did for space for a while? Yeah, you know, it's it's a decision that we make. Um, you know, obviously we don't want to cannibalize ourselves. And so, you know, if you've got like a pirate's theme out and then you've got Pirates of the Caribbean, they kind of cannibalize each other. And as a consumer, you're like, well, I don't really know what I want to get. They're both pirates. And we try to avoid that. Um, and so, yeah, while, while you've got Lord of the Rings right now, um, we're kind of avoiding uh, having just a, a classic homegrown castle. Doesn't mean it's never going to happen. Obviously, castle is uh, it's an evergreen. It's something that constantly comes back like uh, pirates, like city. Um, so it's not going to be like you're never going to see it again. Um, but for right now with Lord of the Rings, um, it's on a, on a break. All right. Uh, Zarkhan asks, why is Lego so hesitant to make a set that utilizes large amounts of purple? Purple, yes. Purple is a rare color. Um, you know, it's, it's a color that we've, we have been very hesitant to, to do in, in very big quantities. Um, there's actually a, a very interesting story I heard from a designer. Um, you know, and I'm not, I'm not some crazy, you know, um, 
scientist that knows the way the the human eye works, but um, apparently that in your field of vision, there's a certain scope within colors that you can tell, your brain can tell variances between colors. Um, a lot of the Lego elements do have slight variances in the colors. It's We just can't avoid it. There's no way to not have it happen. Um, but like with white, your brain and, and the, your eye doesn't quite see the variances as easily as it does with purple. With purple, it screams at you. It's like, hey, I am slightly a different shade than this purple brick. I am yelling at you right now. You will see me. Uh, and we don't like that. That that that's definitely not you know the experience we want to deliver. Is oh hey I've got a, a Harry Potter night bus, and half the bricks are slightly a different shade of purple. Um, definitely not the experience we want. We've been trying as hard as we can for many many years um, to try to close those variances and make it you know just one shade and make you know as many people happy as we can. Um, but it that's just been one of those the, those nuts that's hard to crack. Um, but there, there are those little variances kind of in all the colors. Um, but since purple, since your eye and, and your brain can see those variances so much easier, uh, we are very hesitant to do lots of it because we know that the complaints will come in. All right. So it's kind of a uh, double-edged sword. You know, if you don't it do is. it, everyone wants it. And if you do do it, they'll <laughs> complain about the, the low quality. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So uh, Chaos Drellcax has a question and Fisher64 has a similar one. And so the first is, why was Teal discontinued? Why would Lego stop production of Teal parts? And then Fishers follows up with, uh, are purple or Teal parts costly to make? Um, so yeah, Teal, um, I think we talked about a little bit about this before. But yeah, Teal, uh, that was a couple of years ago. Um, like two, I don't, that was a while ago. But, um, but yeah, it, basically it was just a, a business decision was made um, to go forward with one color instead of the other. And unfortunately, Teal was, was out. Um, but again, you know, as a company, we try to not have so many colors in the palette at one time. Um, you know, that was kind of one of the main reasons that got us into the whole crisis mode that I was talking about in the beginning, back in the you know 1998 to 2004 or five time, um, is because we had so many colors, and so we try to limit the palette. And so you're always seeing colors that are going to exit while other colors are coming in. So teal, it was just the end of its life, and so it left. Um, and yeah, the, some of the rarer colors are more expensive for us, um, because we, you know, we order little granulates of ABS plastic. That's, that's how we make our bricks, like, you know, little red granulates. And, you know, if red's a major color for us, we're going to, you know, order truckloads and truckloads and truckloads of red granulate. And so of course you're buying it in bulk. So you get it for cheaper. Um, when you've got, you know, your colors that are you know more rare, like your earth green or your earth blue, you're not ordering as much of it. So it costs us as a company more to get it because we're not ordering it in that bulk quantity. Of course, yeah, you know, we're kind of in control of that. Like if well, if we just designed a castle that was all earth green, yeah, we'd be ordering more and more of it. Um, but I mean it's just kind of one of those things that goes back and forth. You know, if we don't order a lot of it, yeah, it's gonna cost us a little bit more. If we order a lot of it, like we've a lot of white, a lot of black, a lot of gray. Yeah, it's going to be cheaper for us because we have so much of it that we get it at a discount. All right. Uh, Fisher64 also asks, if a set designer made a giant monster or something out of Hero Factory parts, would that design be considered for production or would it just be rejected because of the market appeal of standard humanoid builds? 
it all depends on on what the designers you know what their project is you know it's it's not out of the question to to do something like that it just depends on you know what are they building for um you know i i don't think i can necessarily see you know a giant bionicle hero factory creature walking around lego city um i mean maybe that, that might happen but uh i mean it just kind of all depends on what the project is you know it's not something that they'll just dismiss it just because of what it was made from um but it, it'll just depend on what their goals are all right and our last member question comes from Nukaya, who says dear kevin hinkle can we meet your dog someday sincerely madison you know that's nice you can you can come up to infield and meet both my dogs <laughs> We can schedule an appointment. Have your people talk to my dog. <laughs> <laughs> Which, uh, as we determined uh, on the last uh, PowerCast, your dogs are chihuahuas. They are chihuahuas, yes. Two little chihuahuas. <laughs> I was very happy to hear that, that trivia question. <laughs> all right. Well, that, that's all of our member questions. I have a, a couple others that we'll wrap up with. Sure. Uh, so what uh, do you see in the future for the LEGO fan communities based on you know your past year interacting with them all? Uh, what trends do you see going on? You know, the fan community is like water. It's like an ocean. <laughs> and, and, you know, I think a lot of times, you know, especially within the community team, we, we try to make some kind of like a cup or like a canteen or something to hold the water. And we find a lot of times that it just kind of splashes through. Um, that's kind of an analogy we've been using a lot. And so it's hard to predict where it goes and, and what's going to happen, you know, our goal is really just to try to support all the fans and just everything they're doing. Um, but right now, I think, especially for next year, our goal um, is really just to try to align a little bit more on our end um, from the community end. Because um, actually, uh, just um, either last week or just a week after that, uh, just got back from um, from Villain where we had our annual community team meeting where all 13 of us actually meet once a year uh, and just talk about everything. Uh, and next year, we're really going to try to align ourselves you know, so that you know, fans that are working with the community rep in Europe uh, are getting maybe the same you know, kind of uh, support that the fans in North America are getting from me. Uh, and so that's really our goal. Um, right now is obviously to still support you guys in everything you do, um, but try to align us so that you guys get a more consistent um, support from the community team, no matter where you are. Okay, excellent. I I look forward to seeing what that brings next year. Yeah. All right. And uh, the last question is, uh, you know, Brick Fair was a couple weeks ago. So what are some of your thoughts on uh, fan events and what are some of your highlights uh, from different ones you've been to? You know, the thing I love about the, the fan conventions that I've been to is, is they're all very different. And you wouldn't think they would be. You'd be, oh, you know, you've been to one fan event, you've been to all of them. But, but they're, they're vastly different. They, they explore different opportunities. They focus on different things. Um, you know, like one will focus really heavily on public interaction and having events for public and seminars for public and workshops for public. And, you know, another one focuses really heavy on the private fan time and giving a lot of seminars for the fans and workshops for the fans. Um, some of them have really crazy, wacky events for the fans. Um, like maybe how many tattoos can you put on your face? <laughs> uh, you know, and then, you know, some of them have your more traditional ones. Like they're just, they go all over the map. Um, I mean, I'm looking forward to, to more, of course, I'd love to see more of them popping up maybe in some of the areas where we don't have fan events. Um, like, you know, next year, um, as of right now, we've got the announcement for the, for Brick Fair New England. Um, so we've got one up in, um, in New Hampshire, which is kind of exciting because there hasn't been a fan event in that region. Um, I'm also looking forward to seeing if maybe we get some more pop-up 
in some other areas that, that haven't been able to have an event in their area. Uh, and of course, still working with the, the existing ones next year uh, and seeing how they grow and how they develop. But yeah, they, I, just, I love the, the little nuances and the, the difference in approach that they take to certain ones. Because um, I mean, obviously, I'm in a unique position because I get to go to all of them, and and you know, one person might not necessarily see uh, a difference in in the way seminars are held between you know Brickworld or BrickCon. Um, but since I get to go around the circuit, and I'm like, wow, that's that's interesting that you did it that way, and and this event did it that way. And I I, I love that little that difference of them because it, it helps them stand out. You know, they've all got this different flavor, and of course, they've got different sizes too. You know, whether you go to the behemoths that are you know you're seeing twenty thousand public in the weekend. Or you're going to some of the smaller ones where you're only seeing maybe 4,000 or 5,000. Um, and maybe you have one public day or maybe you have two public days. So they're, they're just all so very different. Um, and, and I think you know, each person could find one that really kind of meets what they want to expect out of it. All right. I know this, this year I went to the most fan events I've been to yet. Um, and it was definitely a, a different feel for each. Yeah. And I look forward to, to making it out to a few more next year and seeing what they're all like. Of course, none of them can beat downtown uh, Birmingham, though. <laughs> <laughs> well, especially if you need a haircut. Especially if you need a haircut. And now the members are going to have to find us and ask us that to know what that means. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thanks a lot for your time, Kevin. Is there anything you'd like to share with uh, BZ Powers membership before we conclude? Keep building, guys. No, I, I, I thank you for the opportunity to come out. And, you know, I, I love what you guys are doing. And, um, you know, as always, you guys, you know, anybody can reach out to me for anything. Um, you know, you can, you can find my email address. It's out there. Uh, I know the spam bots have found it. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but you know, if you ever need, you know, anything or you have questions or comments or concerns, always feel free to reach out to me. Um, you know, and, and my email address is, uh, it's kevin.hinkle at lego.com. Easy as that. Um, but no, I, I love everything you guys are doing. I thank you for everything. Um, if you see me out at fan events, Feel free to stop by, say hi, chat for a little bit, or you know, shoot me an email or whatever. Um, but yeah, I know you guys are doing awesome. Thanks for, for having me out. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us. It's been a pleasure. Always a pleasure. All right. Good to see you made it to the end. I hope you enjoyed the show. As always, you can leave us feedback in the talkback thread on BZ Power or by adding a comment or rating a review on iTunes, or by emailing powercast at bzpower.com. We're always looking for feedback on how to make the show better. I'll let things conclude with this month's Music Time with Smeeg, and I'll talk to you all next month. Thanks again, guys.
Burks. Burks, Burks, Burks. <laughs> I think that went over fairly well. All right. This is a good talk. <laughs>